Mortgages should be illegal because you're getting robbed every month. With a typical $200,000 30-year mortgage, you'll end up paying over $400,000 after interest. Hi, I'm John Commuta, creator of the Transforming Debt into Wealth System. My proven system can eliminate your mortgage and all your debts. Let me send you a powerful free CD. For your free CD, call 1-800-933-2911. Life is supersonic, we've got to be the body to rock it like we're never going to see it again. We are exploding, the world is gonna know it We're rocking like you're never gonna see us again Come on over Come on over Good evening everyone, it is 10pm And Pure Gold is live in on the air for this Tuesday night, November 22nd, 2011 We are just two days away from my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving And let me tell you, Pure Gold has a lot to be thankful for and a lot of things not to be thankful for, but we'll get into that. <laughs> Welcome to the show that covers everything and anything and tells it like it is. My name is Joe Bacino, along with my tag team partner and co-host, David Gomez. Sir, how are you? I am doing fabulous, sir. Well, not when it comes to some things like you mentioned about not being thankful for. It was a rough night tonight, but so was Sunday. <sighs> but other than that, I'm doing great, sir. How about you? <laughs> not bad. You said so was Sunday, so was tonight, and don't forget about last night. So let's just say oh, three nights of misery. Of course, you're you're absolutely right about that, sir. There, there's no if, ands, or buts. But before we get into all of that, I'd like to get with the contact information, folks. If you'd like to call in and be a part of the show, seven one four three six four four seven two one. Once again, seven one four three six four four seven two one. You can check us out on our website, puregoldpg.com, where we have some greatness going on there. We actually have a new writer on Pure Gold PG, uh, Mr. Greg Adams. You can check him out. He's uh, he's on my Twitter. Um, good guy. Definitely a good sense of humor. He's writing a weekly article for us on Fridays, and uh, we also have a, a new member of the uh, Pure Gold team. She's going to be writing soon, uh, I believe starting this week, Miss A. Marie. She's going to be uh, blogging it up. So we're going to have a lot of good content on the website, unless we have to fire them like we tend to do with everybody else around here. But, again, BeerGoldPG.com. You can follow us on Twitter and all that other stuff. And as a matter of fact, you should check out our YouTube page because we updated it, folks. That's right. JB and myself made a video. The sad thing, Joe, we made two videos. The first one didn't come out, so we had to do a second one. Some technical difficulties, but hey, we figured it was the one-year anniversary of our YouTube video, so why not do another one and just recap the 2011 Survivor Series, sir? Yeah, we did. It's the only PG could do, but you should check that out, of course, uh, our YouTube. Good stuff, as always. JB? Sir, I always, like I, our catchphrase is, we always like to tell it like it is, and we talk about everything and anything, and I just got to tell you, I don't know about you, maybe I do know about you, but I am one miserable, not even an SOB, just a miserable person lately with just my football team sucking it up. And to be honest with you, wrestling has not been living up to my standard at least. I mean, 
we could just dive right into it. I mean, before we have oh, our guests Before we um, do that, sir, you know what's yeah. interesting is that we posted this new video, right? It's, you know, first one or whatever, and it's already got 58 views, which, I mean, that, that that's a lot considering that we never do our YouTube. And it's like our... It's like our third most viewed video, and it's already up there in like two days, so that's pretty cool. I actually haven't watched it again, so i got to go check that out. Um, you know, like I said, considering we haven't done YouTube in months, and it's just our one-year anniversary, there's some, some pretty good stuff there, sir. Um, but like you said, I mean, I, I don't know. Do we want to, do we want to, you know, talk about wrestling, sir? I mean, we could we could always talk about anything else. We could talk about you know, grass, we could talk about the trees, we could talk about anything and everything. You know what's interesting, sir, is that uh, when you were saying that before, the tagline, I was kind of half expecting uh, the, the show about sports, life, and everything in between. <laughs> right. Of course, uh, I mean, our lawyers advise us to change that, so we can't use that anymore, sir. Yeah, legal advice, we have changed our catchphrase. Let's just say, sir... I am a little bit miserable, and until our guest gets here, let me just talk about my f- beloved football New York Jets that just really sucked it up so bad on Thursday night, this past Thursday night, against the Broncos, a, a game that the Jets had to win. You know, and you figured with Tim Tebow and this option offense, I mean, as we were on the air, the Jets were up 10-3, but the Broncos came all the way back and won on the last drive, essentially on the last drive of the game, with Tim Tebow driving his team down 95 yards and unable to stop him at all. So with the with the option, he's able to score a touchdown. The Jets lose 17 to 10. And sir, I I don't know where this team is headed now. I don't. Uh, two weeks ago, the garbage, <laughs> which is where they belong. Yeah, probably. But like it's funny because two weeks ago, I thought this team was heading the right direction after it beat Buffalo, and then it just got absolutely destroyed by the Patriots, and then. Um, you know, I guess they never recovered from that, and when they traveled out to Denver and on a short week, they must have taken either the Denver Broncos lightly or just, you know, didn't think that Team Tebow was going to, you know, be able to come back as he did the uh, the previous three games uh, against other opponents. So the Jets lose. They're 5-5 five and five now, and now they they face a, a huge uproar battle to get to the playoffs. The, the, the division's basically lost. The Patriots uh, won last night, and now they're essentially up two and a half games with about six games to play. So the division's pretty much gone. The Jets, if they're going to go anywhere in the playoffs, are going to have to do it on the road again. So they have Buffalo coming up. I'll preview them later. Uh, just want to say that how miserable I am after a terrible Jet loss against the Broncos. And uh, just as miserable as your team playing Sunday night and losing to uh, a rival. Yeah, um, folks, I don't even know what to say about Friday. Uh, sorry, Sunday. I don't know what to say about that disgrace that we saw. The New York Giants are an absolute joke, and I hate to say it, sir, but neither one of our teams is going to the playoffs. You can lock that up, throw away the key. Giants and Jets are going to be sitting home watching the rest of the NFL come to the playoffs. The Giants are, are right now six and four. They should have blown the Eagles out of the water. They should have destroyed them. They should have annihilated them. They should have obliterated them. But instead, they scummed it up like they always do. Come on, Joe. Vince friggin' Young beat the New York Giants. That's a disgrace and a joke, which is what the Giants are under Tom Coughlin in, in the second half of the season. And I tell you what, there's no way in hell the Giants 
are going to beat the the Packers. No way. You you can guarantee lock of the week. Giants will lose and probably it'll be a close game because the Giants tend to play up or play down to the competition. But there's no way in hell they're going to lose. Uh, they're going to win against the the Packers and they're going to lose next week. The following week against the Saints. The Giants are going to be. They were six and two, sir. They are going to suck it up and go six and four. Four straight losses in a row. You can stick that in your pipe and smoke it, sir. Both of our teams are absolute scum holes. I know that you must be still recovering from that loss, or not. You know, you still haven't recovered from that loss because you have a little backwards. The Jet, the Giants actually go play the the Saints this week, and the following week they're playing home to the Packers. So it's well, the Saints you know, this there, week. There you go. There you go. I mean, that goes to show you just how pissed off I am. I get the weeks mixed up. It, it's a joke. The Giants are a joke. Everything is a joke. They make us all sick. I mean, there's no, there's no other way to say it, sir. There is absolutely no other way to say it. You know why? Well, because the Giants, I got three words for you. That's what I think about the Giants, sir. And you know what else I think about them? And this is what I think about them and the Giants. Wait, if I was the commissioner, I'd be out there on Monday. He'd be out. Gone. Finito. The Giants would be finito, sir, because, let's be honest, They make us sick. They make us sick. The Giants make us sick. The Jets make us sick. Come on, Joe. I want you to say right now, I want you to agree with me, the Jets and Giants will not make the playoffs. you got to lock that up, sir. If you don't lock it up, you are going to get a chair shot right to the head. (laughs) I'm not going to lock it up because the Giants still have a shot, and I think the Jets still have a shot. I'm going to be optimistic, but, sir, you did hit on something. You did say that the Jets, I mean, not the Jets, the Giants play seem to play up to their competition or down to their competition. Let's face it, I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants go into New Orleans and actually beat the Saints this week. Yeah, I would be, honestly. I mean, the, the way they're playing, they've got no fire, they've got no heart, they've got no guts. I was watching, uh, sorry, I was listening to uh, Evan and Joe this afternoon, and they were talking to Antrell Roll, and other than the fact that Antrell said, um, at the end of the day, about 50 times. I mean, at the end of the day, all I can say is that he was pissed. He was excited. Uh, he was going crazy. And you know what? With every reason in the world, he was upset. He was trying not to rip his team. I mean, he just doesn't know what the hell is happening. And he was, he was not happy, sir. He was absolutely 100% not happy. Sir, I mean, when we talk about I know. And when we talk about the Giants, I mean, this would be, if they don't make the playoffs this year, and I'm not guaranteeing you, if they don't make the playoffs, it's going to be three straight years they won't. under Coughlin. Is it time for Coughlin to go if they yes. don't make the playoffs this year? Yes, yes, absolutely. If the Giants pull this collapse that they're in the midst of doing, sir, and I'm I'm going to lock it up. The Giants are going to collapse. Coughlin's going to be gone. If they don't make this, they don't turn this around, sir, it's over. GTH, as far as I'm concerned, the Giants, they they just drive me nuts. I don't even understand what the hell the Giants are thinking. I don't understand what they're doing. No, wait, no, 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 wait a second. No, wait a second, David. Wait, David, David. First of all, wait a second. First of all, wait a second. Wait a second, David, for a second. Let me Wait a second. You know, all I can say about that wait is... Wait a second. What is the point? Bam. Mike just summed it up as we again have Mike Francesa. We're honored to have him join the show, sir. I mean, you know, as a matter of fact... Um, Mike wanted to say this to you, sir. Joe in Wallington. What's up, Joe? See, Mike <laughs> loves you. He's a big fan of yours. He actually told me, you know, we were talking the other day, and this, this is what he said, sir. He said, 
as far as the status of the show. Uh, you have a show on the Internet? I mean, Mike said that to me, sir. He said, you have a show on the Internet, and then he said this. Uh, what's the name of your show? Uh, pure Gold. Pure Gold. Yes, sir. Look at that. He said that to you, sir. And speaking of Pure Gold, we have a guest for the evening. We're proud and privileged to be joined by the incomparable, the one and only, folks, the first time ever, the other co-host of Chairshot Reality on WrestleZone.com, the ultra-popular Chairshot Reality. We're very happy to have Mr. Josh Eisenberg joining us this evening. Josh, how are you doing, sir? I'm fantastic. I've gotten to a new apartment today, so I was trying to call for a while. i got a great spot, so hopefully you can hear me and hopefully we're good to go here. Yeah, yeah, you sound good. You sound good. Joe was starting to get nervous that you, uh, you know, maybe you, you passed out or something and you you weren't going to call in, but uh, we definitely thank no you for, for taking a few minutes. Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. Listen, uh, before we get started, I gotta I gotta ask this. This is a serious question now. I tried to get you on the show like four months ago. I spoke I speak to Justin, you know, quite often and stuff. He probably hates me uh, off the air, but that's that's besides the point. I said, hey, you know. What about Josh? We'd like to get him on the show, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'll talk to him for you. I'll talk to him for you." Like six never. months have passed. I never, I never heard from him again. So I brought it up as if we never had the original conversation. Do you think there's a conspiracy going on here? I mean, is is Justin trying to keep you away from pure gold? Is that possible? I, I think it is possible because you know he doesn't want to. He doesn't want me to be as popular as he is. So he tries to hide the spotlight, obviously. But you know, one of the things that not a lot of people know: all the segments you see on the show are created by myself. He's just a face on the side. So, yeah, I think there definitely is a conspiracy. I never heard about it. You would have called me. I mean, you asked me a few weeks ago, do you want to be on the show? Absolutely. And here I am. You know, it's as easy as that. <laughs> the funny thing is I've talked to Justin, and he tells me the exact opposite. I mean, he's told me that you really? are just a face, and you're just this, you know, the, I mean, I, I don't want to say the horrible, hurtful things that he said about you, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we, we need to get a, a LeBar – Actually, how should I say this? An Eisenberg to Labar chair shot this week on the show because, uh, and you got to yell out pure gold when you do it because that would be classic. Um, but if again, I can you know, work we that definitely, in there, I definitely will. Don't worry. I, I, I got to figure it out. Though it's it's kind of tricky sometimes, especially since I'm right next to him. It's so hard to kind of surprise him with it. <laughs> of course, of course. Now, I mean, I for one definitely enjoy the show. You guys, the back and forth. And one thing I've always liked about your show is that you guys don't agree. And I know that. Never. Uh, listening to your show from last week before the Survivor Series, you know you made some comments. You talked about Raw, how you uh, you didn't like the opening. We we went off on that with Justin, and Justin didn't agree with us. But I want to see your take on the Survivor Series because Joe and I we actually watched it together. We we have our opinion. We'll get into that. But do you think that the Survivor Series delivered on what you what you were hoping for as a fan? Did it deliver for you? As a fan, yes. As a what, what the, the IWC is people classify just internet wrestling fans or uh, people who work in there. No, I think people are expecting a lot more what they got with the whole Rock coming back. But come on, let's be honest. They're not going to make the Rock or John. But, you know, people thought that John Cena was going to turn heel on Rock and have him stand tall. This is the Rock's last, you know, his, his first match coming back from the last time he was in the ring, you know, seven or eight years ago. They're not going to make him look bad to end the show. So I wasn't shocked that they didn't have the Cena Hill turn. As a fan, as a pure wrestling fan, I thought the Sam Punk Del Rio match was fantastic. I thought Bell to Bell, those are the two best competitors you can really have compete for the WWE Championship in Madison Square Garden. But, um, you know, overall, I think it was a very good show, but it wasn't spectacular. Good things came out of it, but nothing monumental came out of it, if that makes sense. 
No, I, I definitely understand that. I mean, Joe and I watched, and we were hoping, we were praying for the Cena heel turn, which we did not get. The only reason I would have liked is because what we got at the end was kind of odd. The Rock, Rock bottom me Cena. That's the second time that, that Cena has gotten hosed by The Rock, and there's been no retaliation. I, I think we all agree that we're tired of, of uh, the Cena babyface character that nobody buys into anymore. But, I mean, the good thing about that whole match is that The Rock looked fantastic. He looked, you know, like he literally had not missed a beat. I mean, he was pulling out moves I'd never seen him do before. So that was great. I mean, in terms of in-ring action, we definitely got a good pay-per-view. I guess that Joe and I were just, we were expecting a little bit more, you know. Punk yeah. winning yeah, the title. Yeah, especially for a big pay-per-view like that, you expected a lot more because you put so much stock in this one night. They put so right. much stock in the having a lot of storylines culminate. And the one thing, you know, that I was shocked with, there was no no spewing of Kevin Nash, no mention of that storyline. I mean, this is Madison Square Garden. You know, a lot of big moments happened in Nash's career in that garden. Why wouldn't you capitalize right. on that? But nothing right. ever happened with it. That was the biggest shocking part for me. No, I agree with that. And the interesting thing is it's something that we – I have to ask you this uh, before I turn it over to Joe – you know, we were sitting here, we were watching the show, um, and, and we are listening to the crowd, and I don't know if it was, it wasn't my TV, I don't know if it was the audio on the WWE's part, something sounded off. You were there live, what was the crowd like? Because on TV, i got to tell you, they sounded horrible. The, the only times you could hear the crowd was during any and all chants that would come up, especially during the CM Punk match. But everything else... You know, like Randy Orton, I heard I heard almost silence on the TV. So can you tell us what the perspective was like being there in, in uh, Madison Square Garden for that pay-per-view? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, I think the biggest thing that I noticed, the crowd was hot throughout the night. But I think the biggest thing that I realized was we couldn't hear the microphones. We couldn't hear the announcing. We couldn't hear backstage segments. I had no idea what Lauren I was saying because the microphone was so low on him. So in an right. audio aspect, I think that was one of the things that I realized and recognized and said, wow, this is – you know, I, I'm really having trouble hearing what people are saying, especially with the backstage segments. Um, but the Ryder pop, you know, whenever Ryder came out, in my opinion, was the loudest pop of the night, um, followed right. really close by CM Punk and The Rock. It was just the crowd was really hot throughout the entire night. And on my end, sitting there with everybody circled around me, you could easily hear how popular one person was, and, and, and you could also hear the boos. I mean, especially with heels, New York City, Madison Square Garden, those people love heels. They love to cheer the bad guy. And that's pretty yeah, much yeah. what they did. You know, they booed Morrison, obviously, for reasons that people know. They booed, right. you know, Randy Orton at a point. They booed Sheamus a little bit at a point because they wanted to see Barrett. They wanted to see Rose. They wanted to appreciate those guys. And But overall, I think the crowd was hot throughout the whole night. And I agree. I think um, I had a few people tell me at home that it doesn't sound as great on, you know, you're not the first person to say that. It doesn't sound as great on the TV. It doesn't sound as great. How's it going there? And, I mean, it was hot throughout the entire night. So, yeah. Okay. I gotta, Yeah, I got to admit, Josh, um, looking back at Survivor Series, um, me and DG were definitely disappointed that night. And then when you, you, you talk about and you look at each match individually, you kind of see – um, it was pretty. It was a pretty decent pay per view, but again, we were hoping that something, uh, you know, one of those great moments was going to happen at MSG with you know between Rock and Cena, and we didn't really get that as fans, I don't think. But when we looked at the WWE title match, it was a really great match between Punk and uh, Albert Del Rio, and I think that uh, I've always said that they've marginalized him as champion, and I really thought that Punk was going to actually win the title, and he did win the title at MSG. Did you think that? there was any chance that, that Del Rio was going to retain in this type of match? I think that he, sh in a way he could have retained. Um, 
But the biggest thing was I knew with the Mark Henry Big Show match that it was going to be in a, you know, a complicated finish, whether it was a disqualification, whether it was you know, a no contest, something like that. So I really do think the reason they gave Punk that title is because they can't have both championship matches and in some sort of a controversy. You know, it's kind of right. selling out. It's kind of copping out on the storylines that they're trying to build and create. But um, I, I like the fact that, that Punk won. I think you have to give it to him. Have to give him a lengthy title run. Obviously, heading into WrestleMania because they're putting so much stock into him. He's capitalizing back and forth on merchandise sales. He's super popular. You know, I, I just I do think Del Rio could have won, but it wouldn't have been the smart business choice for him to retain the title. You got to give that championship title switch on a bigger pay per view, not a TLC, not a Royal Rumble, because the Royal Rumble is not focused around your world champions, focused around the Royal Rumble itself. But this was the right decision to make. Do you think having Del Rio come? Because I've I've talked about this too a lot. Do you think come, Del Rio coming to Raw was a big mistake, and he should have just stayed on SmackDown as the a big heel on SmackDown as opposed to Raw? Yeah, I do. I think I think him on SmackDown. Let's be honest, SmackDown is more of a wrestling-based show. And Del Rio, what does he lack? In my in my opinion, he lacks getting the crowd against him so much. People will Definitely. boo him just because he's the world champion and just because he's a heel. But at the same time, he's such a great in-ring talent. You get those great in-ring talents on SmackDown, and when they become so popular with the crowd, he wasn't extremely over with the SmackDown crowd. So you know the Raw crowd is not going to get him over 100%. And I've said this again uh, with LeBar and CSR time and time again. I think it was the biggest mistake they could have done with him. Why bring him over to Raw when you had established guys? You know, Why bring yep. him over when you had established heels? Definitely. Yeah, I agree with I agree. you. And then Puck does talk about making the WWE title cool again, and to uh, me and DG, I don't know how like anal you are about this, but I cannot stand the <laughs> fact that the WWE title is still John Cena's spinner belt that doesn't spin. I think we need yeah. to get rid of that belt once and for all. We need to bring back whatever Melt belt, maybe the Undisputed title that was only around for a couple of years. What do you think about that? Yeah, with that? Brock Lesnar and Big Show, that title. I love that title. I yeah. thought that title was great. Um, I don't think they're going to bring that one back, though. If anything, they need Punk to create a new title, and, and you know, Many people are saying, you know, why not bring the old Eagle Championship belt back? I don't know if I'd go that far because they already brought the old Intercontinental Championship title back. So I don't know if you want to do those two retro titles that are being held. Uh, but I do think they need to create something new. They need to create something that shows professional wrestling if they want to make wrestling cool again. No big W that used to spin that's just filled oh. with diamonds and gems. It's, it's, it's awful. It's a terrible title creation. I hated it when they spin it. I hated the U.S. title when it spinned. Just yep. whenever Cena brought it in, it was too flashy. You don't need that for WWE. That's something TNA would do. That's something other companies will need to do to make a little a, a plastic championship belt. It's, it just looks awful. But, yeah, I completely agree. They need to do something different. They need to stabilize a title that is for everybody. So when Punk loses it, loses it, it doesn't look ridiculous on the next person. Right, right. And the truth of the matter is that the reason that, that Joe and I, and we're really big on the whole belts and everything. I mean, Joe, Joe owns a couple of them, and, you know, as fans, we just love the prestige and the nostalgia of them. So that, that's why, to me, when I look at Mark Henry carrying the World Heavyweight Championship, that looks like a wrestling title belt. I mean, it's got history behind yeah. it. It looks like the old WCW title. It's just, it's a, it's great to look at. Now, on the other yeah. hand, you have this square, sloppy mess. You know, it, it doesn't look so bad on Punk. But, you know, I see Del Rio carrying it. I'm like, oh, when I saw Triple H carrying it, I'm like, come on. Tri I definitely thought when Triple H won the title years ago, I'm thinking he's going to change it. Never did. You know, Never Orton did. kept it. So I know that the sales are up and everything. My, my uh, eight-year-old nephew has one of them. But come on, let's get rid of the title. Hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do something about that in the near future because Punk talked about change. I actually hoped yep. and expected for him to say that. And he didn't, but... 
you know, it is what it is. Let me ask you this. Um, going off uh, off on, uh, since we're talking about punk, let me go away from Survivor Series for one second and get right back mm-hmm. to it. Um, last night, what did you think of the placement of punk on the card? He opened up Raw, which I thought was great. Mm-hmm. But having him in the middle of the card at 10 o'clock to do his main event, you know, whatever main event spot, mm-hmm. I guess... I'm thinking, you know, come on, he's the new face, he's the new guy. He should have been closing out. He needs to be closing out Raw from now on because when I see the Miz, Truth, and I know that, that uh, Truth got suspended and all that stuff, that whole, yeah. I mean, that was just a bad way to end Raw. That, that's my opinion. What do you think? I, I completely agree with you. I think it was a terrible way to end Raw. I, I'm a traditionalist. I like to see a 15, 20-minute match end Raw, whether right. it has meaning or not. And you have a champion versus champion match. Let's be honest, Ziggler and Punk. Yeah, they had a great match. If they were given that main event spotlight, I think people would remember it more as being a really great match, one-on-one battle right. between two right. guys that have great in-ring abilities with each other. And I mean, you saw the chemistry between them. They, they didn't miss a beat on any move, really. You know, besides the ending where Punk, you know, picked him up and kind of had to redo the GTS or whatever. I completely agree. I absolutely hate whenever somebody becomes champion and they're not featured on the last segment. I personally could care less what happens with Archers and the Miz just because yep. it's a storyline that nobody thinks they're relevant, and it's shown time and time again that these guys aren't relevant right now in the grand in the grand picture of WWE. It's about Punk. It's about Cena. It's about, you know, to an extent, Triple H and Kevin Asher, they've kind of thrown that away a little bit as well. But it's about right. those two main guys, and it's about The Rock coming back. Those are the three pieces, and since The Rock's not there, John Cena doesn't really have much to do for a couple of months. CM Punk yep. needed to close the show, and they really, really put the ball on that. I really would love to see that end the show. Maybe have Del Rio come out and attack him. Just something to keep that storyline going because they're going to get another match, you know, next week or, you know, if something happens there, another match at TLC. You know, so right, it, right. It, it just it really did upset me as well. I just didn't understand the kind of book how they placed that match at ten o'clock. And you made you made a great point now that I really hadn't thought about the the way you end Raw last night is Del Rio attacking um, uh, Punk right after he wins his great match against Dolph Ziggler, close it out, gives Ziggler some exposure. Obviously, they sort of tried to do that at the pay-per-view, although I couldn't understand him getting eliminated first, but that's another story. Um, but having them in the main event would have been great. You have Del Rio lay him out, boom, uh, Alberto gets some heat back, you, you keep the feud going, and then that Cena, Miz, Truth would have been perfect at 10 o'clock because you want something kind of interesting to happen at the top of the hour, the, the second hour. Yeah. That would have been a great promo or whatever to open up and close. And the interesting thing about that whole mess is that John Cena, who I can't stand, said one thing that's so very true. You just touched on it. Nobody cares about Miz or Truth. They have completely dropped the ball with those two, and now, of course, uh, Truth got suspended. But, I mean, where does the Miz go from here? Is he going to now feud with John Cena so that he can kind of stay relevant again or try to be relevant? Because that whole awesome Truth thing, which could have been great, we thought it was going to be great. I thought it was going to be the NWO something or other, and mm-hmm. it ended up being mm-hmm. a big old deuce. What do you think about that, Josh? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the way that they're looking to go right now. If, if you want to keep the Cena Miz thing, they already have the history going. I can right. see them going on a one-on-one match at TLC just because I do think Punk and Del Rio need one more pay-per-view match, and I think they'd be really good in the ladder match. Uh, two guys who are really athletic, two guys who are you know, pretty creative with their offensive abilities. But after that, I do think The Miz needs to go. I mean, I like The Miz. I think he's a great character. He's gotten over. He's done so much with his career and so much, you know, having so little and now boosting himself up to one of the top skills in the company. I wouldn't be shocked if they had no other better option to do Punk versus Miz at WrestleMania. 
Now, will that include the Miz winning at Royal Rumble? Maybe. Will it have him in Elimination Chamber or winning a tournament of some sort to get that number one contendership? It's a good possibility as well. But I do think the Miz will have maybe a month or two months program with John Cena. And But here's the thing. What's Cena going to do between January to April? So maybe right. the Miz stays there for a while, and then maybe the Miz interjects himself at the end of February after Elimination Chamber, and hopefully he, you know, he, him and Miz. I think I think Miz and Truth, or excuse me, uh, Miz and Punk would have a great match at WrestleMania. I think they'd have a great program, but it's just a matter of fact of what are they going to do with the Miz. And I, I think you're right. I think they have to get him to see him for a few months just to keep him relevant. Right, right, definitely. And then, Josh, last week we talked about um, on our show. We talked with Justin about how. The, we were confused on how Big Show and Henry were fighting in a regular match uh, two pay-per-views ago, and then they were fighting again in another match with no stipulation. So it kind of made sense um, that the match ended, and the match was actually a lot better than we had anticipated, I think, for me. Uh, the match ended in the DQ, so that might set up another match for them at TLC. Um, how great, um, and did you mark out when Big Show went to the top rope and dropped an elbow a la Randy Savage? It was pretty impressive to see a guy that big, um, and especially on TV. I'm sure you guys, uh, I mean, live, we were thinking, we went, no. are you really going to be able to do this, you know? But uh, let me ask you, did it look good on TV? Because it felt like in the live audience, he was, you know, it took a, a very good while to get his balance and to actually jump off, which kind of killed it for about a second or two. But then when he landed, I mean, they went crazy. And it was, I, I mean, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Something he's never seen them do before. Yeah, I mean, I know me and DG both went crazy. I thought it looked really good on TV. They showed the replay of it uh, from a different angle, too. And I just thought it was really great. And then the champ, Macho Man Savage, must have been uh, must have sent chills through your bones. <laughs> Absolutely. Me being a huge Macho Man fan growing up, loving him, you know, loving him over guys like Hogan and Warrior. I've always been a huge Macho Man fan. So seeing that, that was just, I mean, that was, yeah, that was a great moment in the garden. Right. Um you mentioned in that, that we didn't get anything about, you know, we didn't get any storyline further developed between Nash and Triple H, and maybe they're saving it for the TLC pay whatever it is. But like, let me get your just general take on this. Let's go back a step. What's your general take on everything when Triple H was relieved of power, uh, John Laurinaitis is in, um, is Vince McMahon behind all this to get the power back, or is it, or they're just going it, you know, they, they don't really know what they're actually doing, and they're making John Laurinaitis the interim GM until something else happens. Like, where, does this all tie in, or is the whole awesome truth separate from John Laurinaitis, separate from Nash and Triple H? I think it's pretty funny because a lot of people don't know what the hell they're doing right now. So let's be completely <laughs> honest. I mean, the few of the really more interesting storylines over the past couple of years, they've thought of, but they've never really created an ending for it. And I think that's a huge thing when you're doing storylines. You need a beginning, a middle, and an end. You need something in sure. the middle that keeps you interested. And look what they did with Nexus last year. They completely dropped the ball because they had no idea what the hell they wanted to do with it after they attacked The Undertaker. Where the hell is that going to go from? And it just kind of fizzled out. I think this whole thing with John Laurinaitis is going to fizzle out. I think they had a plan in mind that Awesome Truth would team up and be a stable and be the boys of Laurinaitis, who then Laurinaitis was the boy of a guy like um, you know like Vince coming back or possibly Stephanie or Shane. But um, the biggest thing was, I don't think they knew what they wanted to do at the end, and that was a huge problem for them. And now they're stuck at this point of creative power where nobody wants to kind of speak up and say, this is how things should end, or this is how things should end. 
is just kind of playing it week to week and scripting it week to week and see what kind of flows and what, what gets the crowd interested in it. Right, right. And, you know, it's it, it just you watch the show, you watch the program. Obviously, you do, we do. You know, we keep tabs on everything. It's fans across the Internet. And I think, as a fan, you got to just be a little disappointed because it doesn't seem like anybody knows what's going on. Um, I like the – I told Justin this last week. I like the whole Nash Triple H thing simply because of the fact that they're such big names that they can pick right back up, and it would be it would be classic. It, I mean, it's not going to be a five-star classic, you know, match, but it's going to be good. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be intense. So whenever Triple H does come back, you have that on the back burner. It'll plug right into the main event spot, you know, and, and that's a good thing. But other than other than now with Punk as champion, it's like it's like what what the heck is going on? We're not going to see Rock for a couple of months, and and that to me is a is a bit disappointing, you know. And and then you have everything going on in SmackDown. The one thing that uh, that seems to be going so well there, other than the fact of the plain wrestling, is, is Big Show and Mark Henry. I mean, and I know Joe touched on this, but I'm not a fan of Mark Henry. But I have to admit, that match on Sunday impressed the heck out of me, and it was actually interesting. The two of them put on a, 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 you know, a big man clinic, if you want to call that. So it, it was definitely a, it's definitely some good stuff there, some good stuff going on. But unfortunately, as far as the, the Survivor Series pay-per-view went, the match right before them, that whole five-on-five, five, I don't know how it was for you live, but what an absolute train wreck that seemed to us as fans because the sound was terrible. Nobody seemed into it. Um, again, the the pops, the the noise was off. Of course, uh, Sinkara getting hurt. Um, it's, it's a twofold question: A, what was that like? What was that whole mess of a mess like? You being live, and B, does Sinkara need to just get cut? Do they need to cut ties with him and and just rank this up as a failed experiment because he's out for basically the next year? I think the biggest thing for the five on five match was the whole Kara thing. I mean. Come on, that wasn't really playing where he'd screw up that bad and miss a giant spot like that. And that really just took the entire energy out of the building. I mean, when you have a stoppage in a match that's 5-on-5, five five, that should be continuous action between different guys. That's going to kill the crowd. That's going to kill the entire match itself. I think that's one of the big reasons why, um, you know, the match wasn't as great as it was because of that, you know, right in the middle of the match there was that buzz kill whenever a big spot was supposed to happen. It really garnered the crowd's interest. But at the same time, it was okay. I didn't mind the match. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I think I liked it a little bit more because they let the guys who needed the victory win. They needed Barrett. They needed Rhodes to win. They needed those guys who they built up on SmackDown as, as mid-carders really kind of reaching you know, their potential. They needed those guys to go over on guys like Orton and Sheamus. Because let's be honest, if Orton and Sheamus win, what does that do for them? Not much. If they lose... Right. It doesn't make them look weak either, but it will make Barrett and Rose look that much stronger and put another feather under their cap as they need more than anything right now to look strong each week and continue to get on rolls. Second off, Sinkara needs to get cut. Let's be honest, guys. I don't like Sinkara. I don't like the fact that they put so much stock into him. They've had him win over guys like Daniel Bryan who deserve a hell of a lot more than what he's getting right now. Right. Not even a Definitely. show on not even not even a face spot in Survivor Series. Like, are you serious? It's ridiculous. Yeah. A guy that, that has bad. the briefcase who's gonna be the next champion have no mention of him whatsoever. I know the New York crowd wanted him to cash it in, which I think everybody did uh, you know, after the Mark Henry and Big Show match. But they need to cut ties on Kara, you know, getting back to your your question, guys. What, what's the point of him? He's never going to be a world champion. He's not a guy like Rey Mysterio where he's, you know, about to, like he looks like he's a 200-pound guy who can potentially steal a few wins here. 
never a huge Mysterio fan, but even worse of a hater of seeing cars just because he doesn't have the WWE style. Right, yeah. right. And, and you know, that, that's been his problem, it seems. I mean, he he looks pretty built for a guy his size, but it, yeah. it's been the problem. I think the only reason they brought him in is because of Rey Mysterio being so popular, and obviously the merchandise is sound like crazy. But, I mean, this thing has been such – and, and I, I feel almost feel bad for the guy. This thing has been such a botch fest since the very beginning that it just ranks up – to me, it's like this, this huge colossal failure that WWE just couldn't capitalize on. And I'm afraid that this is probably going to kill the, any idea of any type of uh, cruiserweight division, which I love. You know, we talked about this, and, and I mentioned this earlier, um, how you – the three of us all agree that last week on Raw that, that, th- that opening was horrific – but that's the kind of night where you could have put a nice cruiserweight match on to get the crowd going, and, you know, that's how you start off Raw. And, unfortunately, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, you know, you have Unico. that He's probably going to get cut now because, you know, without Sin Cara, without Chavo Guerrero, without those types of guys, what do you need somebody like Unico who looks like he's about four feet tall? So, you know. He's a good wrestler. I mean, you, you take what he's worth. I mean, he came in and gave WWE something they needed. They needed that mask still on. You know, they needed, they needed a guy to come in and really keep the crowd interested in the character. He did that. He didn't screw up as much. I don't mind this little faction that he's doing right now with, uh, you know, Epico and Primo and those guys that are kind of you know, built together looking like, you know, the LWO <laughs> or a little bit Conan <laughs> interpretation. Those guys that really are misplaced right now. But at the same time, what are they going to do with them? If you don't have a cruiserweight division, what are you going to do with these guys who weigh less than 200 pounds? They need a cruiserweight division back so badly because so much great talent can be wasted. Right. 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 Definitely agree with that. Yeah, Josh, I have a two-part question for you. Um, what is with the WWE calling Raw a super show and having, like, basically SmackDown roster uh, on hand for that? I mean, I just uh, – I personally think that the – we're so thin on the rosters, and I understand the point of having the brands, but I think that it's time to pretty much end the brands. Let's, like, regroup, rethink on how we want to do this WWE product because basically SmackDown's on Raw anyway. Uh, what are your thoughts on the fact that it's called a Raw Super Show and you get SmackDown guys on all the time? It's a, it's a, it's a, there's two parts, I think. I, I, I still like the, fat, uh, the um, brand extension because they do have so many talented guys. And I did tell, you know, Bar this a few times, and, and just people talking just about, you know, just basic wrestling. I, I do like the brand extension still just because there is so much talent. There's because they have two hours each week, <coughs> excuse me, two hours each week, and they have too much talent to fit into two hours of programming on Monday, two hours of programming on Friday. The Raw Super Show thing, it doesn't make sense to me because, these, like you said, these guys are on each week. It doesn't make it special. It doesn't make right. it interesting. And each week is the same thing now. It's not a super show anymore. It's just your basic Monday Night Raw. And I think the biggest right. thing, they caught the name Super Show. I think the Super Show is ridiculous. I think it never really worked. And I just it, it just it just gets to me because these guys on SmackDown are taking up Raw superstars' time, but Raw guys aren't taking up SmackDown's time as much. Yeah. And, you know, last week we had a three-hour Raw, you know, with – the the big key selling point in The Rock returning to Raw. And, you know, I think they just underutilized the talent. They opened Raw up, and I think we all agreed, like we said, to open up that segment with, like, Cole challenging JR. There's another storyline that, to me, makes no sense. And uh, even Punk said it uh, out loud. He said to the fans, like, you know, you had your WrestleMania moment. Now get on with your life and get the hell off the TV because you're not, you're not entertainment. Like, wh- why does Vince... 
like to shove this kind of crap down our throat. It's it's terrible. Each week, you get these guys arguing and bickering back and forth with one another when they're on the table. I found it more annoying than anything, trying to have guys who are trying to describe a match to you and are trying to describe what is going on, yet they're bickering back and forth about one another's weight, about what one another's wearing. <laughs> it was absolutely terrible to start off a huge raw with a complete buzzkill. What's the most important thing on Monday Night Raw? The first, se- the first segment and the last segment are the two most important things. And that, you know, maybe they're thinking not all of our fans are going to be here at 8 o'clock. Well, the fans that know wrestling and the fans that watch wrestling each week know it's starting at 8 o'clock. The casual fans are the one that starts at 9. It's about time that they really focus on the fans that actually mean something. Yep. Yep. Totally agree with that. And it's just a shame that we get we get force-fed this, this garbage of Cole and JR. And, you know, it's funny because I tweet Jim Ross about this all the time. He's yet to respond to me. But I always tell Jim, nobody wants to – I love Jim Ross, and he should be announcing Raw, but nobody wants to see him on TV against Michael Cole. You know, the new WWE 12 video game came out, and they have Michael Cole and Jim Ross as playable characters. That, I mean, what the hell are they thinking? No, Nobody cares about this story. And truthfully, I like Michael Cole as a straight announcer. When he announces, he's actually pretty good. He actually yes. can call a match – with with Jerry or whom I, well not with Booker but that's another mess he can actually call a match but when he goes off on these ridiculous nonsensical things with Jim Ross it's like how do you take the guy seriously it's almost like he has multiple personality disorder where he's a, he's a total scumbag and then he goes back to normal and then the divas come out and he insults them and then he goes back to normal and you know and then he's kissing the misses but it's like uh, yep. it's like Vince is forcing us to listen to his irrational hatred of Jim Ross. Jim Ross must e- either have some dirt on Vince where Vince doesn't outright fire him or Jim Ross just bends over, takes it, and says, you know what, I'm getting paid a zillion dollars to be here, so who cares? Because that that's just bad television, Josh. It's absolutely bad. It is. horrible. Oh, it's, yeah, it's terrible television just because each week you have two guys who, uh, let's be honest, okay, Michael Cole is a really good announcer when he does announcing, but right. everybody still wants Jim Ross because of the personal hatred that people have of Cole coming over to Raw and Ross going to snap them in the draft. People thought it was a colossal mistake. People thought it was not necessary, especially for Jim Ross to be on a tape show because he's so much better alive, in my opinion. You know, when he's on the spot, whenever he doesn't have matches that are going to be edited or cut down, I just, this needs to end, and it needs to end really quick because people are getting so sick and tired of it. But will it? Probably not, because that's what they want to do with Michael Cole. They want people to hate him so much to the point where they don't care about him anymore. And when they start really not caring about him, the booze will go away, they'll get back to his commentator's booth, and that's the end of it. Yeah, it just it just makes for future television when, again, we're forced to watch this. And truthfully, Jim Ross isn't a, isn't a spring chicken, as the old uh, cliche goes. You know, the guy's not a young guy anymore. It, as long as he's around, use him. Put him to good use. You know, make him the lead announcer. And then when he can't do it anymore, you know, bye-bye Jim Ross and, you know, Cole will take the spot. It, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, Jim Ross is the type of guy who could go over, run TNA, and actually make it good again. And instead, they have him dancing on Monday Night Raw to start off a three-hour Raw instead of putting Daniel Bryan or whoever you could think of, you know, to open up Raw with a match. So, you know, I don't get it. And obviously you feel the same way that we do. But uh, yeah. it's just definitely – I don't know, Josh. I mean, I'd rather see you and, and Labar, you know, just <laughs> talk, talking about 
anything. Oh, no, no, come on, come on. Let's not push well, Zeke. He's probably not. He's not listening right now. Hopefully, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's probably he's probably passed out right now on the couch, thinking of ways to you know berate you on the next show. But uh, you know, it's just. It's like yeah. I said, this is this is a sticking point for Joe and I, just how bad it is. And, and I hear all the wrestling people, all the people in the know, all the fans, nobody likes it. I'm just I'm just still confused as to why Vince forces this. You know, like, this is funny. You have the obsession with Twitter, and, and let me let me get your take oh. on this. Um, there you go. <laughs> That's the answer <laughs> to my question. I mean, what's up with that? Uh, you know what? It's Vince McMahon being obsessed with something that has taken off. And here's the thing that really pisses me off. I think the biggest thing that I just don't like about it is every segment you have something about Twitter, you have a reference to Twitter, and you have guys who aren't really, don't really tweet that much with names. I mean, there's guys, there's divas, there's announcers. Booker T rarely tweets. You know, I mean, he's not a guy who tweets all the time. He doesn't tweet anything interesting. Keep the Twitter to intelligent people. Keep the Twitter to people who have something meaningful to say or superstars that we actually care about. I could give a shit what Ted DiBiase's next DiBiase pause is going to be at. I could care less about the type of things. I don't follow the guy. I follow you guys. Right. You guys have insightful things. You guys are interested to talk about. And Ted DiBiase doesn't give me anything. Where's his next book signing? I don't know. It's going to be at a Walmart. Who gives a crap about something? You know what's interesting is that, and you were there live so you didn't see this, but we're watching uh, Survivor Series, and every five seconds trending in the left-hand corner, yep. boom, it'll give you – like Brodus Clay is trending, or you know this person is trending, or Alberto Del Rio is trending, or you know Adult Diapers is trending. I mean, we're watching this on TV, and, and like you said, I don't. I follow CM Punk because he's interesting. I follow yeah. Foley because he, I mean I know you hate Foley, but he, he sometimes oh, says some interesting stuff. The Rock, The Rock usually you know boot, boots to you know, asses as it were, but for the mm-hmm. most part, I don't follow any of them because none of them say anything interesting. Zack Ryder, yeah, you know, I, he's funny, but, I mean, it, it's it's horrible. And I don't even know how many of your fans, how many people that listen to this show, I don't even know how many people who watch Raw actually are on Twitter because I've heard so many complaints about it. It just drives me nuts. Yeah, and it's the fact that they're trying to shove something down our throats. And that's plain and simple what it is. They're trying to, they're trying to take advantage of what's the most popular thing, uh, you know, with 18 to 39-year-olds, which is Twitter. Yeah, I really yeah, do think it's overcome Facebook. Even though I don't necessarily agree with it, um, I, I, if I, I told a bunch of people, if I didn't have this show, if I didn't really be in that, you know, the media business in Pittsburgh, I probably wouldn't have a Twitter because my 37 friends really know what I'm doing because they probably text me or call me and see what I'm doing or actually care about what I'm doing. But yeah, besides that, besides you know, with the business and the work that I do, people don't care about Twitter that much. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's popular, you know, whenever you want to make jokes and stuff like that. And, you know, if you read any of my tweets at 2 a.m. when I'm absolutely wasted in New York City, like, what the hell is this guy talking about? But it's something that I like to do for fun. It's something interesting. But this but right. man is just taking it way too far. It's, it's put too much stock into making it, like, something that we need. And we don't need Twitter. Right. Agreed. Definitely agreed. Now, now Josh, before we let you go, I have one sure. last generic question. And tell me yep. your thoughts on this. I mean, it's easy to play armchair quarterback. I just think personally, uh, booking a match a year in advance between Rock and Cena is just like is completely nonsensical. Um, but if you were going to do that, I mean, me and DG always try to think about like because WrestleMania is all about Undertaker's streak. We always think about who could be John, you know, who could be Undertaker's opponent, and we always thought that it would be great to have the the new irresistible force mean the movable object John Cena against Taker because. 
They've never faced at WrestleMania. It'd be interesting to see who won that match because it seems like John Cena is the modern-day Superman. And then you would have potentially Rock come back and face a heel CM Punk. I know that things have changed since then. Now Punk is like, you know, a face and the, the voice of the fans. But do you think that booking a match a year in advance was a wise move? Ah, from a business standpoint, probably, just because of how much sales and revenue that they've gotten in Miami so far for the event. Um, as a fan, as uh, somebody who watches the show each week and, you know, kind of has a fan's mentality, absolutely not. So this is the biggest thing that you like to see in, you know, the beginning of the calendar year is what fuse, what matches are going to happen. And now we already know what it's going to be. You know, and for months we didn't see any reference of, you know, Rock Cena. We never saw anything about that. We never saw any... You know, I mean, they would jab back and forth one on, with one another. But other than that, what are we going to get out of it? We're going to get a year of one or two months just kind of talking about it. And, you know, whenever he finally does come back, which he's not going to come back full time, I don't disagree with the match, but why couldn't you do it You know, in Survivor Series where he come back and you want to face it? You don't need to tell them the next night. So I completely agree with you guys. I think it was a terrible mistake as a fan's perspective. The only, the only thing I worry about, I was going to say, the only thing I worry about, Josh, is that, it seems like Rock is getting the upper hand every single time, and I know that usually spells disaster for the person that gets the upper hand. So I'm getting worried that Rock is going to get the upper hand all the way up to WrestleMania, and then somehow Cena beats him. <laughs> Super Cena. Super yeah, I think he's going to. I mean, what's going to happen? You know, Rock's going to get his advantage time and time and time again. It's going to be the same old story we get. So, you know, am I excited to be in Miami for it? Absolutely. It's going to be a great experience. It's going to be a hot crowd but we kind of already know it's going to happen, right? Like, I mean, Rock's not going to give up his Hollywood career to be a full-time star anymore, right? Right, right. But, I mean, come on. In in his hometown, you're going to have Cena go over the Rock. I mean, I think Cena may not make it out of there alive if that's the case. I think they need to hire extra security for Cena because that's going to be a big, a big mess. But listen, uh, Josh, we definitely appreciate you giving us some time and, you know, spending some time with us. Um, sure. You know, obviously you're, anytime, you're, you're doing some doing some things over there, doing big things with CSR. We definitely, I mean, even though your partner seems to sabotage the whole thing, it, I'm glad that we finally got you on. You know, three years later, and uh, you know, hey, if you ever need to replace uh, Justin over on CSR, if you know he gets too old or whatever the case is, we could just make this a, a three man booth and uh, and take it from there, sir. Whatever you guys do, guys, I mean, I really, I really appreciate the time. Stuff. There's sometimes I just want to say, dude, get the hell out of here. Let me do the show one-on-one. -on -one. You know, I think that would be a lot more interesting. But uh, <laughs> I appreciate the time, guys. Anytime you want me on, you know, let me know. Give me a call, and uh, I'll be happy to do it. Definitely, Josh. We really appreciate it, man. Have a good one. You too, man. Take care, guys. Later. Folks, that was the one and only. I got to admit, sir, I love that. Later. That was the one and only Josh Eisenberg joining us from WrestleZone.com, the ultra-popular chair shot reality. Sir, the, the show is so popular that when Justin does his uh, Trib Live radio show, they have people calling in from Canada and from the United Kingdom. I mean, literally, people are calling from other countries to talk to Justin about pure gold. I mean, that to me is amazing, I have to admit. I have to admit that we actually were excited to talk about wrestling, even though we were miserable the last couple of days, so that, that's a plus. <laughs> I know. Well, it's a plus when you have a good guest like Josh who really just told it like it is. I mean, he basically agreed with us every single point, which, you know, on this show, that's the way to go. But it just goes to show you that people in the know know that, I mean, the PG, we do tell it like it is. You know, we have our opinions and we stick to them. And the truth of the matter is that I think that you and I speak for the most part for the, for the real wrestling fan. I think we speak for the guys who actually are invested in wrestling and 
Joe, the only reason we still talk about pro wrestling is because we just hate a lot of what we see. I mean, we're happy that Punk is champion, no doubt. Hopefully he'll get a lengthy title run and change the belt. But we, as fans, want it to be better. We always want it to be better. So when you have a guy like Justin, you have a guy like Josh come on and, you know, quote-unquote tell it like it is, it just makes wrestling talk interesting. And I think, to be honest, this is the only thing about wrestling that's interesting, you know, us ripping it or talking about it or, or putting our two cents in. <laughs> You're right about that. Before we had Josh <laughs> on, sir, uh, we were talking about football. So let, let's just talk about this week, uh, you know, just break down real quickly. Uh, Giants, Saints, I'll tell you about the Jets-Buffalo, and then let's talk about Thanksgiving well, Giants, real fast. What do you have to say about the Jets? Because that's pretty much my analysis. Giants that's suck going down. You yeah, I think, the, I think the Jets will come back, and they know how to play Buffalo. Some teams are matched up really well against one another. I think the Jets match up very well against Buffalo. Since it's at home and the Jets are coming off two losses, I think the Jets will win. It'll probably be another blowout, to be honest with you. I think Buffalo's reeling. I think their season's over. Jets probably win an easy game, another 27-10 to 10 game, and they move on to be 6-5. and uh, yeah, six and five. Doesn't mean nothing, but I think the Jets do win. And then, sir, finally, I know we're pressed up for time. It's my favorite holiday, and I know I said that a year ago. Thanksgiving is about, for me, about getting together with family and friends. So much money. Oh, wait, that's the wrong holiday. Sorry, sir. Wrong holiday. But it's all about getting together with family and friends, enjoying some football, some food, some family, and some friends. So it's a lot of Fs there. So I don't want to get the F out. I just want to say I want to wish you and your family a very happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, I don't want to drop no F-bomb either. But have a happy Thanksgiving. To all the PG fans out there, enjoy, be safe, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Absolutely, and uh, you know, before before I let the fans go, um, I agree with you, sir. Thanksgiving is the best holiday of the year. I mean, from a Christian, spiritual, you know, all that aspect, and Christmas is really the most important day. But Thanksgiving is a great day because of the food. It's just one of those days where it's not about the presents. It's not about anything. It's really, it really, if you think about it, it is the best holiday because it's all about family and food. That's it. Like you said, there's no. You know, you, you don't get caught up in, oh, i got to spend my life savings to buy this person a gift, or this person is going to get offended because I didn't get them a gift, or I can't get this kid a gift without getting these other 12 kids a gift. And then you, before you know it, you're broke, busted, and disgusted, or busted open, as it were. And, uh, you know, you, you don't know what to do when Christmas is, is a joke. And to me, that's the greatness of Thanksgiving, and that's why I personally love it so much. That's why I look forward to it so much, because, you know, it's just one of those days where you can hang out, you have some great food. I mean, I know... You, you know, your wife being uh, Portuguese and stuff, and you being Italian, you guys really uh, know how to bring the goodness when it comes to food. I mean, me being from the lovely island of Puerto Rico, and my wife being Venezuelan, I mean, that, you know, there's going to be some PG magic happening that night with, the, with as far as food is concerned, because my mom's a great cook, her mom's a great cook. I mean, pretty much everybody except for me is a great cook. Elizabeth <laughs> could probably cook better than I can, sir. But it's one of those days where you just give thanks to God because you have these wonderful people. And I think it's a sad day for those who don't have out there. But, you know, like at my church, we do we have a food pantry and we help out those who are less fortunate. So it, it's something so important. So I remember one year I ended up going to a, uh, like a church to help out, like a homeless uh, type of center. This is many years ago. But they were, uh, you know, we were, we were helping feed the, the less fortunate and everything. And it was just a beautiful experience and it really... It goes to teach you what Thanksgiving is about and, you know, the things that we have to be thankful for. We take things for granted sometimes, sir, and uh, you know what? I mean, we have our wives, we have our daughters, we have our health and everything. We have this show. There's a lot of things that we can be thankful for, sir, there's no doubt. No doubt. So everyone enjoy, be safe, and 
Sir, who do we have on Tuesday night? Folks, next Tuesday night, we are joined by the one and only Miss Studio City 2011. We'll be joined by the one and only Miss Arizona 2010. And yes, folks, these are two different people. We're <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> We're joined by the one and only Brittany Bell, a lovely woman, lovely person, you know, good, uh, good, uh, you know, model and everything. She's someone who, you know, you follow her on Twitter and stuff. She's just very positive, very upbeat, somebody who's always, uh, bringing the goodness, as it were, PG style. So we're excited to have her on. You know, she's got all these different titles and everything. It's, it's almost as if it's it's two different people. And we're just excited about where Pure Gold is going. Again, uh, you watch our video that's on YouTube right now. We broke down Survivor Series and we talked about everything. And, you know, we're just trying to get the, the, the Pure Gold word out there. We made a year. We're excited about that. But our one-year radio show is coming up in about three weeks. And in the future, the very near future, we're going to be joined by Ring of Honor star... Caprice Coleman, and we will also be joined by Miss New Jersey, the reigning Miss New Jersey, Joe. This is big because we've gotten Miss Arizona, we've gotten, you know, five different Miss Arizonas, and we've gotten Miss Oklahoma and Miss Michigan slash Miss USA, you know, yada, yada, yada. But here we have, sir, our own state, our home state. We're going to have Michelle Leonardo, Rafael, Michelangelo, and Donatello. They're all going to be joining us. That's that day in uh, the middle of December. It's actually the week after we turn one full year on Blog Talk Radio, so we're excited about that. We're going to talk to her about her current duties and what it's like for her to be uh, Miss New Jersey, the greatest state in, in the union. Folks, make sure to stay tuned right here. Keep it PG. For JB, this is DG. Up here, Gold, reminding you to always keep it PG. Good night, everyone, and God bless. America. Uh, you have a show on the internet? Oh, what's yeah. the name of your show? Uh, Pure Gold. Pure Gold? Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> Gold. 